You are listening to the Bulls Cast with Chris Stonage and Ben Goddard, your independent Hereford FC podcast. So, welcome to the Bulls Cast uh, with myself, Ben Goddard, sports content editor and uh, dog's body at the Hereford Times. I'm uh, joined by Keith Hall, um, BBC commentator, um, after last night's game against Shrewsbury Town. Chris, uh, the usual presenter, Chris, isn't here today. He's had technical issues with his laptop, so I'm uh, taking over. So it might be a bit less uh, fluent influence as uh, as Chris is, but we'll we'll try our best to get through. And uh, so, yeah, after today, last night, uh, Shrewsbury Town, 2-1 uh, defeat in the end, uh, two goals very late in the game. After Hereford had made eleven changes on the pitch, uh, what were your views, Keith? Yeah, I think it's best to forget the result. Um, it's all about the performance, especially most managers will say that during pre-season. But it really was a case in point last night. Uh, I came out of the game with a very positive attitude. Uh, I think, as we've seen so in all of the three games, really now Hereford set up uh, from the kickoff is very, very good. Um, and it obviously, when you ring the changes, that affects matches. Um, probably not as impressive at Redditch in the first period, probably because of the surface as much as anything else. Uh, but again, Shrewsbury last night, I thought, especially down the left-hand side, Mitch Hancock's, uh, Ryan Lloyd and Ryan McLean, I thought they really did combine well. Lots of pace in there and moving the ball quickly. Seemed to know what each player is all about and good, good support. Uh, from them, little triangles down the left-hand side of the pitch. And uh, I think, obviously, with Miles Story up there as well, um, with Joey Butlin, I thought, it, you know, they, they were combining very well. Because Ryan Lloyd, um, well, obviously, we speak about Ryan McLean and, and Miles Story quite a lot. But um, Ryan Lloyd, he's, he's a kind of, um, he's a quiet character, isn't he? You don't, you don't talk about him much during a match. He does, he does, but he does a lot of. All, he does all the dirty jobs. I would call them all the all the quiet jobs he needs to do in midfield to to get the team moving forwards, doesn't he? Yeah, I think it's a balance then with James Vincent, who will probably uh, cover a similar role, maybe a little bit more aggressive uh, and a lot more experience in terms of game management and know what to do, when to do it. Um, so you have those anchoring midfield. Uh, with the more creative flair players further forward, likes of uh, Mazia Kuya, who could actually, he could even uh, supplant Tom Owen Evans. You never know. And we'll have to wait and see on that one. But um, at the moment, uh, he could be the playmaker role that Tom Owen Evans has. So it should be a challenge between the two of them as to who's going to get the, uh, the nod if indeed Kuya signs. There's definitely, um, it was definitely four five one again, weren't they? Um, with Joey Butlin up top on his own and the attacking midfielders sitting just behind him. It seems to be how we how they set up last season as well, and it seems to be sort of Gowling's way, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he could describe it more as a four three three, uh, because you've got McLean wide on the left, Story wide on the right hand side, um, you know, with um, Joey Butlin as a spearhead. So I think you know you get the impression if you say four five one, or that's a very defensive setup. Um, that's not the case when you've got pace that you can break out of your own half very, very speedily, uh, indeed. And uh, to me, it's very exciting. It was noticeable looking at the looking at the crowd in the in the Merton stand that perhaps uh, had only been able to watch uh, on a screen. They were suddenly really engaged in the game. 
and I could see what we were talking about, about McLean in that cameo against Brackley. Uh, and the fact that story we knew from video footage from his time up in Scotland, how exciting he can be. And Joey Butlin comes back and defends as well. There was there was moments in, the, in Shrewsbury where everyone was back. And um, I remember Butlin made a, a crucial header at one point to deny Shrewsbury. So he, he does do his fair share of defending and he runs a lot, doesn't he, as well? He does a lot of work. Hereford are going to need that because they're not going to have the towering presence of Jamie Grimes. There's nobody... Uh, as good in the air at the moment within the Hereford squad. It's something that obviously they're going to hopefully be addressing in the next three or four weeks. Um, obviously, Jack Bodnam came in, looked a very calm, composed player, um, but he's not one that's going to dominate in the air uh, against some of the National League North attackers. It's, that's when things will become a little bit more interesting when we're up against genuine out-and-out, sort of more old-fashioned centre-forwards. For me, it looks like maybe Jack Bodnam plus one experienced central defender coming in. I think I don't think he's the the key answer, is he, to that defensive problem, centre half problem, on his own. But it, it's another option, isn't it? Um, you know, we don't know how things are going to develop, uh, but if, if he was to be a permanent signing, you've got Luke Haynes in that sort of role at the moment, and um, so you've got an option there because obviously. And uh, certainly, you know, Luke Haynes can play in midfield as necessary. And it's, it's noticeable that um, Josh Gowling and Steve Burr are looking for flexibility within the squad. You've got to have players that are they're not just, you know, oh, I'm a left back and that's it. Uh, you've got to be someone who's uh, willing and able and able to learn and already maybe has the capacity to play in different slots. That Their first half performances, they haven't conceded, um, have they conceded any goals yet? in the first half of pre-season games. I don't think they have, have they? They didn't concede against Westfield, Redditch or last night in the first half. So, And that's probably... No, I think that's part of that, yeah, it? a testimony to, to the 11 that's going out there. Um, you look, you're looking at Hancocks, Hodgkiss, Hall, Vincent, Lloyd, McLean, Storey, possibly Butlin, um, as automatic choices at the moment, I would have thought up to the other players to displace them. Um, so, it, to me, it's building nicely. There are slots to fill. Josh Gowling, after the game, talked about four or five uh, places up for grabs within their squad. Um, so, you know, all to play for. And I'm quite pleased that we've got Cheltenham as well now next week after the Cinderford match at the weekend. Uh, and that'll be another sort of test, really, in terms of the creativity side of the game. I think it's been a good bit more of a, uh, more of a, a sort of a gritty encounter against Cinderford. So be, be, be interested to see the contrast in the styles. I like the setup there. You play Redditch on the Saturday and then you have your more intense game. You're probably te- a team that will push you on the Tuesday night and then back to a team where you probably dominate possession with Cinderford on the Saturday. And then, and then Tuesday night against Cheltenham, another team that will probably push you and test test and expose any weaknesses in that squad, really. Yeah, having said that, Stanford have only lost once. That was to Cheltenham Town in their pre-season build-up. They've, they've beaten Fairford 3-1, Tuffley Rovers 4-1. Uh, and as we go to press, they're playing Gloucester City uh, at home this evening on the Wednesday. Um, so, you know, they've got quite a number of new signings. Young striker, I think, might uh, take some close, close attention. Harry Emmett, 
scored 23 goals in 50 appearances, formerly with Cheltenham Town youth team. He's only 20 now, um, so he might be one to watch uh, on Saturday in in the uh, Sydneyford lineup. So I don't think Hereford will have it all their own way because they'll they'll be up for it as much as we were against Shrewsbury. And I've heard that on the on the grapevine, they've got a very good left back. I can't remember the. I wasn't given his name, but apparently he's had um, scouts coming to watch him already from different teams this preseason. Um, so the left hand side of defence will be one to to look over on Saturday. Um, had a, a chat with some contacts at Cinderford, and they're uh, they're hoping that to have a good gathering of um, Hereford fans there on Saturday. They've got a nice little setup at Cinderford, nice clubhouse, and. Nice day out, really. Less than an hour travelling as well to get there and no motorways involved. So it's a <laughs> chance to go watch the team, isn't it? <laughs> from, from yeah, there. I think they've invited um, Colin Addison, Peter Isaac as well uh, from the Hereford United Giant Killers period. Uh, and um, so, you know, I think a, a few more people will probably come and watch now as a result of that, just to say hello to some real legends of from Edgar Street of the past. And also Hereford played um, Redditch on Saturday, um, a 1-1 draw in the end on a very hot afternoon, Saturday afternoon on, on the 3G pitch. Um, Josh Gowlin described it at the end as more of a fitness test than a footballing one. Uh, would you agree with that summary, Keith? Yeah, it's absolutely sweltering, isn't it? I'm not a fan of the 3G surfaces. There are some better than others. Um, I think Sirencester Town is you know, not too far away. Uh, from us in Herefordshire and I think that might have been a better surface if you're going to play on a 4G. Um, too much crumb, it reminded me of Sporting Culsa. Every time the ball bounces, you get, you know, splattering of rubber crumb comes up and you don't know the bounce, I don't think, is just quite as true. And, and it was absolutely sweltering and I think that made the temperature even higher, being black crumb, it soaked up the heat. And so for the players out there, as you say, it was real... Uh, fitness sort of regime rather than necessarily a football match. Um, I think on the surface like that, it's really a free kick set piece game um, because you don't really have an opportunity to spread play, moving things around through midfield. Um, you wait for a free kick, you wait for a corner because uh, you may only need, you may only be able to get one pass or uh, a couple of touches in. Uh, it's not a game unlike last night at Edgar Street when both teams are trying to zip the ball around, moving it through midfield, a lot of movement off the ball, nice little flicks and touches. And for me, you know, football is a game to be played on grass. I know we were chatting last night about the different types of 3G pitch and sort of the lads, uh, lads club and Pegasus have got a, a 3G as well. You can, you can ping it round and they thrive on that sort of game. Whereas Redditch on Saturday, it was com- almost the complete opposite. And um, they knew, but they... Teams adapt to their 3G pitch, and Redditch obviously adapts to have adapted to theirs. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think it's all about revenue, and uh, they need that rental income coming in to keep Redditch United going because they've had financial difficulties in the past, and that that's the way that they're going to approach it and move forward. But I don't really see, you know, it may happen in the football league, but at the moment, teams that have been promoted have had to rip up any sort of artificial surface and replace it with grass. And, you know, I'd still fully support that. I would as well. I don't think it's um, a level playing field um, 
if you if you're gonna have a, a league of forty games or so, then you you need to forty pitches, grass pitches, not a couple of three Gs thrown in that you have to have specific trainings for. And we don't know how good the Bradford um, first away game of the season. We don't know how good their three G pitch will be. Whether that will be a crumb pitch or a playable pitch, who knows? Well, you know, at least they've got that in the memory banks fairly recently, as far as the Hereford players are concerned. Uh, and that, you know, they know what's coming. Uh, if it's a better surface than Redditch, then, you know, thumbs up. Um, but they've had the scenario where they've had difficult conditions, sweltering heat, high temperatures, lots of disruption um, because of the number of players that were coming in on trial. Um, but I think that the players that will still be in the Hereford squad come the National League North. Uh, yeah, I think it was a good good idea overall, but obviously as a neutral or as a positive Hereford fan, um, I don't think you, you would have enjoyed the match as much. I had a feeling even if if that had been an FA Cup game at Redditch, I still think Hereford would have just had enough to get through it, even with the poor playing surface. I mean, the set, the the end of the first half, Hereford got, got hold of the game. And if, if it was a league game or a cup game, I'd have expected them to kick on from there and, and take hold of it rather than make all the, all the changes and, and get all the trialists on for the second half. I think Hereford were just getting into command, weren't they, in the tie? And, and then they made all the changes. Yeah, I've seen the situation against Shrewsbury. If that had been an FA Cup tie, uh, there's no way that you'd have, well, you couldn't do it anyway, but there's no way you'd have, you know, five, six, seven changes. Uh, you got your first team out there, you keep them there, they'd be totally match fit by then. Um, so uh, I think Hereford were more than a match with Shrewsbury in the first half. I think they shocked them a little bit and um, they pushed them back in the first half, especially. Um, not so much in the second, but there were still individual performances which stood out. Uh, unlike the game at Redditch, really, which was, uh, it was a grind, wasn't it, really? It wasn't something that you, I'm sure the players didn't really enjoy it. No, they didn't look to be when they came off anyway, all red-faced and completely out of bounds. <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't look like they enjoyed it whatsoever. Yeah, I spoke to Jan Kukowski after the game at, at Redditch, and I, I think he probably had been only been on the pitch something like 10 or 15 minutes, I can't remember. Um, but he, he said that was a real struggle out there, just to breathe in, the, in those temperatures, let alone uh, get up and down and do your job effectively. Um, but it's good for fitness overall, and it builds things up, that gives players an extra, you know, an extra string to the bow, really. They say it could be that temperature at Bradford in August, couldn't it? And on the 3G pitch there, and they could be a similar situation. So at least they've they've tested it, they've experienced it, and they they're adapted then to to it if if it comes that way at Bradford. Yeah, maybe better to play them early before they got fully fully accustomed to to the surface. As you say, most teams tend to adapt uh, to their home conditions. They know what's needed, uh, but you know. Their second game of the season, uh, Hereford's second game, first away. Um, it will be a tough encounter, I'm sure, as it usually is up there. Not got a good record, actually, against Bradford Park Avenue since uh, uh, Hereford sort of restarted in 2015. Um, but there we go. Hereford players have got to get up there and uh, do the job. Yeah, I remember the, uh, the Bradford press box is inside, indoors, but is above the changing rooms. And uh, both times we've I've been there, <clears throat> there's been some 
words said after the game amongst the Hereford players that you're going to hear from the press box for definite because they've two poor performances at Bradford that I've, I've witnessed anyway. Both yeah, absolutely. Um, just to uh, just to confirm to you, you won't be in that press box this year. <laughs> you're going to have to slum it with me in the on the opposite stand in you know in the open air. So you know. You have to make sure your laptop is fully charged. Yes. You'll be in amongst the Hereford fans. Yeah, definitely. Um, at least it's in August. Both times yeah. we've been there has been December or January, and it's been uh, it's been really cold, so I've been hiding in there. But I don't mind <laughs> in August, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, you, you used to sit next to the heater, I know, and you, know, you were looking forward to your cream cake at halftime. <laughs> You'll have to suffer like the rest of us. Yeah, we had Christmas goodies the first time we went there. It was lovely. <laughs> Talking of press boxes, Keith did a brilliant job of cleaning all the glass windows for me at Keith and Frank between them at Acre Street, and it's all uh, pristine now. Yeah, we sort of uh, sanitised it, cleaned it all out, and vacuumed it all, got rid of all the droppings in there from birds and you know, me. mice that were running around uh, from you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are bins available. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, hopefully you, you could notice a difference. And so we're expecting really accurate match reports in there for times now. Absolutely no excuses. It's crystal clear. Try our best. <laughs> <laughs> Try our best to get the right scorers. That's all we can hope. <laughs> and other news... Um, the Royal National College for the Blind had an absolute worldy performance and won their won the National Cup at the weekend. And uh, and you've been to watch some blind football, haven't you, Keith? And you were very impressed with them. Yeah, I was. I can't believe it, it was 2010. It's, you know, 11 years ago now. Uh, commentated on uh, the Blind World Cup with nations coming over from, uh, you know, all over really. You've got Greece, Brazil, uh, France. It was, it was a really good... Um, an eye-opener for me in many respects to understand how it was played. You have to get used to the rules a little bit. But I think the supporters that went then, you know, I think if they'd have known perhaps there was you know, a bit more publicity about this, might have been a bigger crowd. Um, I would have certainly popped over to see some of the group games. Um, but I really enjoyed it. And it's staggering how brave these players are because, you know, they are literally running and you can run into somebody, you could run into a wall, you could run into the posts on the side, whatever. And it's all down ball bearings in the in the ball. And the, some of the skill level is outstanding. I, I think it was Dan English uh, that they highlighted a, a goal that he scored. Um, it was televised on BT Sport this last weekend. And there's a dribble from basically the halfway line up to the edge of the area. And then a right foot shot past the goalkeeper. Um, just to explain to everybody, the goalkeepers are fully sighted. Um, it'd be pretty pointless having a blind goalkeeper uh, in as well. So, you know, it is difficult to get past them. So um, quite a few spot kicks as well. And the, the trainer will tap the left-hand post, the crossbar and the right-hand post. So the penalty taker gets an idea of exactly where he is in relation to the goal. And um, so yeah, I actually think it, it deserves a lot more support. I know they won on penalties as well, and there is a video of the, the trainer going around tapping the goal players. It's fascinating to, fascinating to watch. Uh, such so, so talented. I think we should go down there and have a go and, and video it and see how we get on, Keith. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I've actually done that because um, there are so many 
uh, different ways that you can be visually impaired and basically they will give you different sets of glasses to wear so you get an idea of all the different types of you know um visual difficulties that people have and i tell you what it is very very difficult and if you are completely blindfolded i think they wear masks now um, i remember 2010 there were more sort of bandages to cover up the eyes but it seems to be a universal mask that every player wears now but but anyway cut a long story short put a ball down for what you think is a penalty step back a couple of paces and you are lost even just to kick the ball let alone then beat the goalkeeper and it's very hard and then i tried to dribble down the only way i could dribble really was down the boards if if i'm suddenly in open play you you, although you can hear the ball because the ball bearings you're not quite sure where it is and you're not sure where the defender is or where it is amazingly difficult so hats off i've really enjoyed it i definitely think there's a facebook video coming on <laughs> i definitely think we should get down there wait for the next england match ben that'd be good <laughs> yeah i'm sure the viewers and uh, listeners all will like to see that on, on facebook i'm sure that'll be very well well shared but anyway, we'll wrap that up for today. Hopefully Chris is back next week and the presenting skills will be a bit slicker. But I uh, hope you enjoyed the lesson and we'll see you all next week.